This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. Today on the show, self-love expert and host of the Earn Your Happy podcast is joining us to talk about her journey from anxious, overweight child to author, cover model, three-time fitness world champion. Lori has grown two multi-million dollar businesses as a successful entrepreneur and networking professional. I'm so excited to chat with you about that today. Through her books, her unique coaching methods and programs, she has helped countless people. And we're talking about countless. I mean, your podcast is at 50 million downloads. 50 million. Just let that sink in for a second. Connect with their soul, transform their bodies, empower their minds, gain financial independence, and fall in love with themselves and their lives. I mean, really, could there be a more perfect guest for the Raw Beauty Talks podcast? Lori is also an author, and we have her for the next hour or so here to pick her brain and to learn from this incredible woman. Lori, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. You were just telling me off recording that you had taken a little bit of a break from coming on shows and from the podcast circuit. What inspired you to take that break? Oh, man, Erin, I was in a major just kind of pivot in my career. And I was finding that it was a lot more demanding because when you are transitioning into something new, you don't get the luxury of having a lot of the things that you do be very second nature for yourself. So it was like constantly being in the new mode and not understanding anything that my brain bandwidth went like way down because my capacity went down because I was constantly learning something new every day. And then it also demanded just more of my time. So what had to give was just a lot of anything external outside of what I was doing. Um, so slowly but surely I'll be emerging soon, but it's kind of, it, it kind of taught me some really valuable lessons about how incredible saying no is <laughs> because, mm. you know, so many times you're like, is there, when you need more time in your schedule or when you're feeling really overwhelmed, I've learned that there's always something that you can say no to even when you don't want to. And sometimes good is the enemy of great or good is also sometimes the enemy or things that you want to be doing, even though you want to be doing them, they can be the things that are distracting you from your ultimate goal. Oh, okay. Well, I want to go back all the way in time, but before we do that and go back to baby Lori, let's just dig into this a little bit because I feel that everybody resonates with this, this feeling of overwhelm that we sometimes have. There's just so many things on the list to do. There are so many things when we think about our dreams or the vision that we have for our future on that checklist that needs to occur before we get there. And it can feel 
so overwhelming, so debilitating. And I know for me, I'll, I'll just speak from my own experience. I want to do it all. Like I want to be on the trips with my friends and I want to be focused on my career and I want to have the podcast coming out and I want to have the perfect graphics for this and that. Like I want to do it all. I want to be an amazing mom and I want date nights with my husband. So when you're getting clear on, you know, what it is that is your goal, talk to me a little bit about that process. Like how do you decide mm-hmm. what's important? Well, I've learned to chunk my life into seasons. So, you know, sometimes you want to do it all, but I'm like, oh, it's not the season right now for me to be really social. But what does matter is date nights with my husband and time with my family. So Mm. when I can categorize it like that, and I kind of look out like, okay, the next three months, there's some big stuff coming out, or maybe we have launches of X, Y, and Z. And then, so I know that that's just going to be a harder season for me to say no to friends. And I tell, when I can categorize it and put titles on the periods of my life, I can then say, hey guys, I love you, but I am in this season for the next three months. Bear with me. I'm going to be having to say no to everything. It Mm. just makes that no for me a lot easier for people, especially, you know, if they are close friends. And also I've come to a place where my husband and I are talking about this a lot right now because we... We want to take the relationships that we have um, and really go deeper on a few of those. You know, like we, we probably have like three or four couple friends that we're like, okay, these are the ones that we want to invest in for the long haul. Mm-hmm. And we also have learned to categorize those. And if people don't fall into those, then they absolutely don't get the busy season let alone sometimes we're deciding right now, do we, do we want to even like say yes to relationships that won't necessarily be in our life for the long run? So as you start to get busier or your goals start to get bigger, you have to start making these tougher decisions and really having something like that to measure it against to say, Hey, okay, let's really look at this as a whole. You know, we're taking this maybe three or four hours for dinner right here, but are they really going to be on our journey for the long haul? Or is this going to be like one of those things we kind of go, we're like, oh man, I really wish I could have had that night to ourselves. Like we could have invested in someone else who is on our journey for the long haul. So these are the the conversations that we're constantly having. I don't think we're ever going to stop having them because that's just how life is. Mm, I love that. So really, just bringing some awareness to the season that you're in, identifying what that's going to look like, and then holding true to that, saying no, setting those boundaries, and a lot of mindfulness, a lot of awareness, and just being conscious of the decisions that you're making and where your time is going. I love that. All right. Let's go back in time a little bit because I want to I want to come back to this little Lori who you said you described as kind of overweight in an overweight family, feeling a lot of anxiety. Talk to me about what it was like growing up for you. Uh, so I'm from a small town in Upper Michigan, and what made it even smaller was that I was raised in a more restrictive religion. So, um, you know, didn't celebrate holidays, didn't go, wasn't allowed to do extracurricular things, was only allowed to associate with people inside of that congregation. So the congregation was roughly about a hundred people. So growing up in a small town and then put it in a small congregation, I would say that my life was while my parents were amazing, they were super loving, it was also extremely isolating and I didn't actually get to understand what was happening outside of that bubble. Mm. So when I became a teenager and 
started to realize and, and do some traveling, just very small traveling, I was like, oh my gosh, there is a whole world that's going on outside of this, especially being in middle school and not being allowed to do anything. For me, that particular time in my life or growing up really translated to a lot of the work that I do now, which I'll talk about in a second. But my whole family was um, really overweight. My mom has five sisters. They're all like 100 pounds overweight. And then the whole family, like all of their kids, everybody who was in my surrounding atmosphere was overweight. So the conversation was always the Bakers. That was their last name. The Bakers are overweight. This is how it is. You're going to struggle your whole life and it's only going to get worse. I remember sitting around a table with all of my aunts and having them tell me, just wait, you're going to be fat like us. That's literally the conversation that was replaying in my head growing up. And so that one conversation, I remember it so vividly. I was like, no, I just remember saying that in my head. I was like, nope. And I didn't know if that was true or not. It was just something in my gut that said no. And I went on a journey of, even as a young kid, I started, um, you know, my mom would be grocery shopping and I'd be at the magazine like aisle looking in at the time, there wasn't really a lot of women's fitness magazines when I was really young, but there would be sections of women's fitness in men's fitness magazines. So I would be looking for anything like that to read what they were doing. So as soon as women's fitness magazines came out, anything, anything, I was trying to learn about nutrition and health and working out. And what I started to understand, even at the age of like 14 in these fitness magazines was, okay, they're making different decisions than me. They're actually eating differently. They're doing Mm. different things. They're moving their body every day. So that means maybe if I did these things, I would be getting a different result as well, because nobody in my family was doing that. You know, they weren't working out and they clearly weren't eating well. And this was not in my atmosphere. So I worked really hard to work out every day. And I worked really hard to try to eat well, but this is also something else that has carried through my whole journey that I love to talk about and teach on is your environment is stronger than your willpower. You can get to a certain place, but your environment will always end up ultimately taking over your habits and who you are. So as much as I tried to change the food, because I wasn't necessarily in charge of the food coming in the house. And there was always food coming in the house and and what we did. And, you know, we celebrated with food, we connected over food, we cried with food, we did all of the things with food. So I got to a certain place, but I couldn't quite get to the place that I envisioned, um, you know, physically, even emotionally. And with not eating well comes, you know, anxiety, depression. So a lot of the, the things that I was feeling was so linked to the food that I was eating. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the beginning of everything that I love to talk about now. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, 
country anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash raw beauty talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. I love what you said about your environment being so impactful in your life. And I think that this is true not only for the foods that we're eating and the way that we're moving our body, but the conversations that are occurring around us and then how that impacts our own inner dialogue. At what point were you able to move far enough away from that? to start to be able to create your own environment, your own inner world. Okay. This is where people are either going to go, okay, that's not possible, or they're going to completely understand. Because when I turned 18, everything in my brain was like, you have to get far away from this environment. I loved my family, but I knew that especially with the religious ties, what happened with the religion was if I outwardly left it, said that I'm leaving, I would not be allowed to talk to my family anymore. So it would be excommunication. So I ended up moving far enough away where I was like, I'm not going to say that I'm leaving. They're just going to, I'm going to be far enough away physically. Um, I went to another state that I'll feel like I have some room and some disconnection and I can kind of create this life outside of them without them necessarily knowing. And this was one of the hardest times in my life because it truly, it felt like I was leading what my religion would call like a double life. And I was being one person with my family because I still wanted that relationship. And I was trying to go be somebody else in my life on my own. And, you know, in the beginning that landed me in a lot of really crappy places with crappy friends and like, you know, not great people, because I think I was just doing what all human beings do. And you try, you're trying to fit in. Right. And I just happened to land in groups of people who weren't great. So lots of great lessons there. But again, I moved out of that environment only to put myself into another not so great environment in a totally different way. Lots of like drugs, lots of alcohol to later kind of get that wake up call that I think that we all get and not just one. I had multiple. I don't, I don't think there's ever just one. Sometimes there is, but I had 
some big ones, add some small ones. And ultimately, you know, what's so beautiful about being a human being is that we are connected to something bigger, whatever you believe. I don't care what you believe. There's a, whether you think that's just a voice inside of you or whether you think it's God or universe, but that voice would not go away from me. Like it's ever since I was young, it was just like, there's something more, there's something bigger. And so when I was in those situations, you know, once I had moved out, it was like, okay, you're, so we're still not there. There's something more. There's something bigger. You have to now get yourself out of this environment. So what was proving true for me is I was like, I have to go figure out an environment that supports me because I just left one that didn't support me in one way to go to another one that didn't support me in another way. And so that's that's really where the book came out of, which is called A Tribe Called Bliss. That's really um, about these transitions in your life. And it really talks about how if you want to be making these changes, the quickest way to do it, and actually I'm reading the book Atomic Habits, which is I'm probably the last person to read it in the no, whole world. No, I'm reading it too right now. I just It just oh, arrived good. yesterday. I'm like, finally, I'm getting, getting on the James Clear path. Here we go. Seriously. <laughs> um, so I'm reading that right now and it, it, it states in there, it says the fastest way to change your habits is to get in with the groups of people who are already living in the way that you want. It's the yes. fastest way. And so this is all of the work that I've done is truly around creating events where women can go connect with women who are doing the exact same things, creating these groups, talking about what the transition really feels like, how to support yourself along that journey. Okay. You're finding yourself in another life transition. What are you doing? And where is that group and teaching people how to find those groups? Because for me, a lot of people now say things to me like, Oh my God, you've pivoted so many times. How do you do it? You do so many things. And I'm like, it is a formula. It is so formulaic to the point where when I was writing my book, I said, who are the authors right now? Who's doing well in this world? How do I get in their groups? How often can I get around them? How much can I listen to what they're saying? How can I, like, I want it. And I just infiltrated myself. I was like, great. I'm going all in on this. I love you friends over here, but this is my new goal. I'm just letting you know where I'm going to be. I'm going over here. So it's not like I ditch people, but what I do understand is that, and this is something that I think women, when we can grasp this, this is huge. And I'm saying women because this mostly affects women a lot more than men, that People are in our life for seasons. Not everyone. There's some of them for long term. But if we can understand majority of people, I would say 90% of the people in our life Mm. are only supposed to be there for a season. A season. That's it. And what we do instead is we're like, oh, well, I met her. I don't want to leave her out. Well, I knew her since childhood, all of these things. We think we have to carry them. So we're putting them on like a backpack in everything we do. And we're thinking that we're going to have the energy in Mm. this next new thing that's going to require even more energy while we have 27 backpacks on of people trying to move into this new arena. And now we're all worried about them too. Like, what are they thinking? Do they think I'm selfish? This, that, all of these things. When Honestly, we're just meant to move where that energy is moving. And it's not like I'm not ever going to see these people again, but some of them maybe not. And that's okay. When we can start appreciating those people for that really served this season of my life, then you're going to be able to move through life with so much more ease, so much more fluidity, and just have so much more of your energy back in order, the energy that's going to be required for that next season. 
Oh, I love this. So, okay. So I know people right now, some people are going to be thinking there are friends that I am stuck in a rut with or that are not not in the same growth mindset as I am in, or they're not where I want to be. When you're in that space, is it as simple as just reducing the amount of time that you're spending with them and getting yourself surrounded by the voices, people in places with those who you want to be in alignment with? Essentially, it is that simple, but then there's the hard conversation, right? (laughs) So... (laughs) The hard conversation. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about that. <laughs> so, and we're like, yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, that's what you do. But then there's, <laughs> there's the emotional prep work that goes into it that most people choose to avoid and stay stuck in the rut for the rest of their life. Yeah. Literally. So you've had these conversations. Yes, multiple. Uh-huh. And, you know, Tim Ferriss has a quote. He says, your level of success will be determined by the amount of tough conversations you're willing to have in a day. He wow. didn't say in a week or in a month. He said in a day. Wow. And the most successful people I know and the more successful that I've become in my life where I feel su- truly successful, these conversations have, they've gotten to be more. But also what I've noticed is that I've learned how to enter into relationships in a way that don't doesn't make me have to have these conversations as much anymore. Ah, love that. So what happens is you're going to notice you have this, like, you kind of have a challenging road for probably like a year while you're kind of funneling through these. And then it really dwindles down. And I don't have to have these particular conversations that much because I enter into them in a very different fashion with a lot of clear communication, conversation, and expectations. Like I actually state my expectations now up front for the most part. And so when you have those hard conversations, you have to first remember two things because you're going to chicken out like multiple times, but you have to remember that if you don't say something or start to make yourself clear within your reaction. So sometimes we don't have to have like, let's sit down and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it can just be how you continue to choose and show up. So the first thing though, is just the realization that you're going to need to do something Because if you do nothing, I promise you, you will stay in those relationships in that rut that you're feeling. And it will be the thing that keeps you from getting to where you want. And Mm -hmm. it will be the thing that keeps you from the relationships that you want. Because you have too much mess on your runway. Like your new blessings and your new people can't land because you're keeping the runway crowded with things that are not for you in your life. So nothing can come into your life. Like this cargo of blessings wants to come, but you're like, sorry, I got Sheila over here. That's driving me crazy laying on the runway. Like you, you have to clear it for the next thing to land because Mm. blessings take room and they require energy and they require, they require a lot of your attention to sustain these beautiful relationships and these blessings that are waiting. So with that said, realize that you truly do have that cargo plane waiting to land for you. And it is overwhelmingly beautiful. Like you can't even imagine what's coming for you. So just trust that first of all. Second, you have to start to plan the hard thing. Like if you don't have a plan, you're going to fail. Like if you actually don't have a plan for either the conversation or what you're going to say next time you get invited or you get cornered or whatever that looks like, Um, sometimes it can just be as little as starting to change what you do and not having time for the person, but inviting them along. I Mm -hmm. promise you, if it's a Debbie Downer, they're probably not going to come anyway. 
So you can just say something like, Hey, you know, I'm starting this new thing. If you want to come, I'd love to have you. But because this, I'm so focused on this new goal, unfortunately, I'm in the season of no for pretty much everything X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to like that because <laughs> you are not the old reliable you and how you were showing up for them. So there might be some pushback. They might say some mean things. They might say you're selfish. You're too good for them. That's all. I don't really think you're evolving until people say that to you. Like mm. you're not the same. Thank God I'm not the same, right? Because you want to be changing. Like I also want to share it is natural to change. It is a hundred percent natural. And I I think you are like God given duty to learn, evolve and change and use those gifts that are inside of you. I heard a beautiful quote. It's, um, God buries gifts inside of us and your gift back to him is to use them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, not going and evolving and growing and meeting new people is, I think it feels like you're totally rejecting your divine purpose, whatever that looks like for you. And so it's remembering, okay, you know, you're trying in this relationship, like you actually are, they may not think so, but you are like, Hey, evolving is pretty cool. It'd be a pretty good feeling for you too. Like, I actually know you're not that happy. So why don't we try to go along with this? Like I said, 99.999% of the time, if you know, they're not, you most likely know they're not going to go with you. So I would say keep inviting, but then sometimes you have that tough conversation where it's like, Hey, I love you, but I just think we're both changing in different directions. And, you know, I know that you've been sensing the same thing and, you know, whatever that looks like, you might want to write it out first and and just think of what you're going to say, but whatever you say at the end, please remember this. Don't leave an open door. If you want a result, you have to have a final statement that gives you the result you want, or you just dragged it out again. Mm -hmm. And so this is something that I have learned that's huge. Even when I bump into people, like I'll bump into people I know all the time. And what I used to do, what my husband and I used to do, oh, so good seeing you. We should get together. You don't mean it. Don't (laughs) say things you don't mean. You're kicking the can down the road because they're going to text you and they're going to say, when can we get together? And now that is, so this is what I'm talking about with the energy. If you're feeling like you don't have energy, it's probably because you're never closing loops. Like you're always leaving these loops open and you're always saying things that you don't actually mean and you're never getting the result that you want. So if you want the energy that you're craving to get the new ideas and to go do that big thing, you have to start actually showing up in your life and speaking your truth. Don't get me wrong. I'm still not totally there yet. I just had a thing happen where I'm like, damn it, I'm going to the dinner. (laughs) But um, I am going to see just the blessing in it. And I'm also going to learn from it. So that will still creep in. But, you know, if you see someone just say, it was so great to see you, period, walk away. Because Mm. it's those are the places where you're leaking energy. Oh, and there's so much power in saying less. You know, mm-hmm. saying less or sometimes silence is saying something and it may help you communicate your message through oh clearly. Okay. I want to rewind back to this chapter where you've moved out of this community that was limiting and small and now you've landed in a new community and there's probably a little bit of like inner rebellion coming out and you're drinking and partying. And at what point do you start training for these fitness competitions and start your first million dollar business. Mm. Okay. Let me think back. So I was living with 
all of the roommates and a lot of stuff was going down. And like I drama, like cocaine, like what yeah, are we talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah all of it. House, they were, <laughs> just, I'll keep saying, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was actually the only one who was like, because I, I didn't go to college. I was living with two girls who went to college. And so they kind of had these jobs that I think they went like once a week. But I really know. <laughs> who knows? Uh, yeah, I was like, I'm not really sure if they actually showed up at, at their jobs. Um, and they started making keys for people. So I was the only one working and they had stopped paying the rent and I was paying the rent for like the last three months I lived there. And so I would show up at home after work and there'd be randoms like sleeping on the floor, like passed out. I wouldn't know who these people were. They had keys to my house. I was the only one paying the rent. And so I called my dad because there, I started to, they were hanging out with this group that I knew was doing some hardcore drugs. And I was like, this is not cool. All I pictured was like a, the cops busting in or whatever. I was like, this is not, that was it for me. I was like, this, this is not is it. Not going to be my life. <laughs> And so I called my dad and I said, hey, because my dad was like, he's interesting. He was in the religion, but he wasn't totally in the religion. So I felt like I had a little wiggle room there to be mm -hmm. sort of honest with him. I said, I'm not going to tell you what's going on, but I'm not in a good situation. I think that I should come home and work for you again. I worked for him as a teenager. I was like, if I can work for you again for like two or three months so I can get back on my feet, I have to continue paying the rent here so that it doesn't, you know, go on my credit report or whatever, continue paying the rent while saving. And he was like, okay, come home. You can stay in your brother's room. Cause I had a little brother at the time and he went and stayed in this little like sewing room. And so I moved home and was still paying the rent on that other place and found myself sleeping in my little brother's room with stars and dinosaurs like on the headboard and uh, stars on the ceiling. And I was like, how did I get here? Mm. It was kind of that moment where it was the lowest of the low. And I found myself back in the situation where I pretty much had that nine o'clock curfew with my mom. Like I'm 20 years old. We've all been there, whether it's coming home from university or spending too much on rent and going out and having to move back home. Like everybody knows this feeling that you have right now where you're like, I'm a failure. Like total failure, all the credit card debt. It was like, how yeah. did I do this? Didn't yeah. know anything about money. Didn't understand nothing. So here I am and I end up meeting my husband at the gym was totally not interested at the time. Cause I was like, my life's in shambles. I am like, I put him in the friend zone and he was so patient. And for like six months, we would talk all the time, every single day, end up marrying him fast forward. We have a lot of the same goals, even at a young age, we're just really into fitness. We're very goal oriented, but don't necessarily know what those goals are. We just were, we were, it was two big dreamers meeting who are also fairly actionable when we got out of our, he was kind of in a interesting environment where he was doing great in his career, but also we were living in Wisconsin. So it was just a lot of drinking. We were still like partying all the time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I had had that goal of doing or being on a fitness magazine ever since I was a little girl, because that's what inspired me. So walking around, um, carrying these magazines forever, like dog-eared magazines, like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, these women changed my life. I want to be able to do that one day. So I was reading a fitness magazine while I was on the stair climber one day and saw in there that there was a woman who lived in Boston who put on fitness training camps for people who wanted to do fitness competitions. And I had learned that if you want to be on a cover, you most likely have to go the route of being in a fitness competition first. 
she was having a camp in Boston. I had never flown on a plane by myself. In fact, I think it was my second flight I had ever taken, maybe third, and literally ran off the stair climber, showed Chris. He said, book it. I literally booked that trip, went by myself, went to this camp, Midwesterner, goes to Boston, literally fish out of water. These women were yelling at me. They were amazing. They weren't yelling. They were just talking, but I didn't know it. (laughs) And so had a you know, quite the experience there of just really understanding again, environment. Like I went Mm -hmm. and put myself in a, I think it was a three or four day camp and everything changed for me. They made it seem like this could actually be possible. And, you know, just three, four day full immersion being with people who that was their world. And they were like, well, this is how it looks. This is what you would go and do. Here's the training regimen. Here's how you stay connected to us. I did that. And that was the turning point for me as I started doing those fitness competitions. I did them for three years. I had never won a first for three years. I was super committed, super dedicated. I ended up starting to personally train. I did that at an LA fitness for $6 per 30 minute session. And I would Mm -hmm. go back to back like a maniac. (laughs) And I learned that because at the time we actually feel like I'm getting into a long story, but Chris ended up during the recession losing his job. Um, We were $300,000 in debt. We lost our home. We lost our cars. I ended up, um, I was working at the LA Fitness. I said, this is never going to pay this debt off. I'm going to be 80 years old. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge turning point for us because I had already gone bankrupt as a child with my parents, meaning my parents did. I didn't necessarily, you know. (laughs) Yeah, but you experienced the trauma of that as a child. Mm -hmm. As a child. And so this was the second time I felt like we were going through it. And When that happened, on the day that Chris told me we lost everything, we were in debt, we were going to lose our house, we had to put everything up for sale, I was like, never again. Mm. That's literally what I said to him. I looked at him and something just from the depths of my soul just said, never again. The same no that came up for you when you heard your family say, you will always be overweight and it's just going to get worse. It was from the exact same place. Like that's the exact description. And that was it. Something came over me that, you know, when you lose everything, you have nothing to lose. So it's actually a really magical place. And I pray that people don't have to get there. I think there are other ways to like get this feeling. But for me, apparently that's just how it it was very, you know. I'm right there with you. I am right there with you, sister. I like to go to the bottom of the pit in order to learn the lesson and then come back from there. (laughs) And I also just, we like to make sure it is the bottom. In fact, you're like, can we get lower? Just curious. Because if we can, let's go. (laughs) Exactly. That was the thought that made me go, okay, I need to start training people on my own. So what would Mm -hmm. that look like? Um, So I started saying to all of my people at the gym, I would tell them my dream. And this is very important to me now because I always tell people you can't keep your biggest dream a secret because the only way that it's going to be able to go out in the world is other people are going to go and help carry that out. Mm -hmm. Like it actually will not happen if you're keeping it inside of you and just preparing. Even if you're writing that book and writing that course and doing that thing all behind closed doors, please stop that. It's never going to work. Mm -hmm. You actually need these other people who are going to be like angels in that army who are going to carry that out. So in order for your dream to be the dream that you want, it requires other people and you have to proclaim it. So I started telling everyone my dream. It would just be in random conversation. I was like, you know, 
I'd really love to start my own personal training studio. Like that's the big dream. And I said that one day to one of my clients and she said, well, I just literally opened my own chiropractic studio. I have a lower level. I have a basement that's not finished. Like the wires are showing like it's, you know, the two by fours, but you could train down there for free for a couple months while you train me and my front desk girl. And, you know, you could just, until you can start paying me rent, then we'll work out the contract where you can pay me rent after this. I said, I'll take it. I was training in the two weeks after that in that basement. I went to Walmart, got like those little bands, got a BOSU wall and got, um, the piece together flooring for like kids rooms, you know? Oh yeah. And had that down there. And I, I literally piecemealed that thing together. Like I did that for the first year and that built my entire business. And I ended up opening my own bigger gym later. And that's kind of where the fitness competitions also, we'll get back to that real quick. But after year three of the fitness competitions, when I opened that other gym, mm-hmm. I started teaching people how to do posing. And I started to do these weekend boot camp workouts. And when I started to teach people and like really fall into that and enjoy it, I ended up winning three world championship titles that year after teaching that first year. And it like changed my life. So I stopped thinking about just me in those and started thinking about how can I make these other women win that I started to understand what that meant. Like I actually felt the shift in my brain of how important it is on your dream to make it an us thing rather than a we thing. And even what it meant if I did win for those women, like that was a big deal too. So it it just shifted everything, how I felt about going into it. Oh, incredible. Okay. Just to, just to really drive home some points that she made. Um, one thing that she said was to proclaim your dream, to say it out loud, to not keep it behind covered doors I know we have a tendency to do that because we're so afraid of what if it doesn't happen or, you know, what if I don't reach that or what if somebody scoffs at my my dream or vision or wonders who are you to have that. So find the people that feel safe that you can speak this to. And this is all part as well of having that community of believers around you versus haters. So you'll know pretty quickly if you're with the right people, do you feel safe enough to proclaim or state your vision or your dream? The second thing that she mentioned was understanding that when we are going for our dream, when we are shooting for our vision, that it's not just about us. We're creating space for all those around us and that our light, as it gets brighter, begins to shine on everyone around us. Like you are breaking glass ceilings for all of those around you. Then the third thing that really stuck out to me is you mentioned that there was a formula for these fitness competitions. Do this, this, and do that. And then, you know, you're likely to have some success in some way, shape, or form. You mentioned this as well when it came to sort of up-leveling your community or your environment. There's a formula, you said. It immediately made me think about overcoming emotional eating and binge eating. There's a formula. That's what I teach in my group course. So there's always a formula for success that somebody has, whether it's in real estate or doing marketing or writing a book, like somebody has that formula and you have got to find the people who have got that formula and get as close to them as possible, learn from them, listen to their podcasts, take their courses, read their books, all of it, because you don't have to reinvent the wheel. 
So you have now got these fitness competitions. I mean, world fitness competition? World championships. Mm -hmm. World championships. Okay. Three of them under your belt. What point do you get the call from the magazine saying, we want you in our pages? Oh God, I never got the call from the magazine. Um, (laughs) I always had to market and pitch. And that's another (sighs) thing. It's like, yeah, that's not how it's happening, guys. It, it maybe <laughs> happened for one person like that that I can remember, and I still don't think it happened like that. I think she was massively pitching behind the scenes. Mm. Um, so, you know, I had been I had been pitching in particular one magazine. So, Oxygen Magazine was like my goal at the time. I I don't know. Is it around still? I think it might be. I don't know if it is, but I absolutely know Oxygen Magazine, of course. Yes. It used to be kind of like the magazine for anybody Mm -hmm. who wanted to do like fitness, like who was maybe a little more, I don't know how to explain it now. It's not a self. It's a little more muscular type of look. Um, So I had been pitching them since I started competing. Like literally I would do a show. I would write up my pitch. I'd send pictures. I'd, and that's kind of how pitching was, right? You'd say, Hey, I just, um, placed X, Y, and Z in the show. And here's maybe the workout that I would add to the magazine, like not great pitches, but that's kind of like what the Mm -hmm. conversation was. Yeah. And you know, what I learned later is a magazine or any goal that you have or anyone you want to connect with, has a goal. They have a goal. Yes. So the key is figure out their goal and yes. cater your pitch to their goal. And I think what a lot of people do is say, I, 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 this is who I am. This is what I do. I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I'm that. And that is never, ever going to be the way that you get anything. Because at Mm -hmm. the end of the day, there are people behind every business and they want a relationship. They want to work with someone who's awesome, kind, value adding, and they have goals to meet as well. So meaning magazines have monetary goals. So when you're thinking of pitching to them, they have monetary goals or they have content goals, right? So when you're thinking of pitching to them, can you add content? Because it's a content freaking monster. They have so much content that they they need to put out. And think of that in terms of anything that you're pitching um, for media. They're content monsters. So they either need really freaking amazing content or they need to know that you're going to help them make money. And Mm -hmm. not just like, hey, I think this could make you money. I started writing down actual numbers. So things that I would do when the pitch changed was, hey, I started a cooking show on YouTube. Here are the Mm. numbers. Here's what we could do. I could do a specific cooking show. Like I wouldn't even, I would just put scenarios. I wouldn't say, what could I do with this? You have to make it so easy for them to see how this would work that they don't have to think at all. Yes. So I would say things like, okay, I can give you um, a recipe. I'll take the photo so you don't have to pay the photographer, but I'll make sure they're the the quality that you need for your magazine. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, you know, we'll expose you to this audience. Here's the numbers for that. I'm speaking in one month to an audience of 15,000 people. Like I was speaking at a network marketing stage. I said, I'll make sure when they intro me, they put the cover up and that they keep the cover up or it was, I wasn't speaking a month. This was when I knew I was speaking far enough out. Yeah. Yeah. And so I did that one where I was like, they'll all, I'll make sure for the next year they intro me with this cover and I'll always stay up while I'm speaking. And then I did quite a few other things. Like I, we had a, a pretty robust fitness email list at the time. And I was like, I'll blast the email list three different times showcasing these three different articles or whatever. Yeah. 
So that's when they started to become interested. So mm. I ended up book getting to book. And you guys, it's so funny what people think. They're like, oh, it's glamorous. They fly you out and do these things. No, you pay for your own trip. You pay for your own hotel. You pay no for your way. That's, oh, this was, the, this was the fitness industry, fully exposing the fitness industry. I love they it. They didn't pay for anything, nothing. So you're not only coming up with the pitch, the content, paying for like all of these different things. I get there. So I get the opportunity to do it, right? My life has changed. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be a cover girl. This is life-changing. Fly myself to Toronto. This was no easy task. Um, you know, pay for these outfits. They have some outfits there for you, but you have to bring a bunch of outfits as well put myself up, do the whole thing, do the prep work, do the dieting down, take my like three months to get ready. I shoot these covers. I, you know, you work all day long. It's like crazy hard, but the best day of your life. And I get a call a month later and they're like, Hey, your, your cover was supposed to come out, but it's not going to come out now. And I'm like, what do you mean? (laughs) And they're like, um, we're just not going to put your cover out. So they wouldn't tell me. And I'm like, Okay. And I heard this. I heard that a lot of girls, like they just will get a no and they won't use your cover because they're just kind of shooting these all day. They use the workouts, but they won't use your cover. But I heard that if this happens, you'll never get a cover. Like it means that you are like, you'll never come back. And so I was devastated, devastated. So, um, at that point I kind of, I ended up going more all in on my business and more all in on my gym. And, um, you know, trust me, it wasn't after having a freaking temper tantrum, feeling like my life was over, um, wondering what direction I should go, but it was actually another moment for me where it was the best moment of my life because I stopped waiting for people to anoint me worthy. Mm -hmm. And I had to have somebody blatantly that I thought was my ticket to who knows what. I think we all have that moment where we think someone's (laughs) going to give us what we need. Mm -hmm. And that was my moment of no one's going to give you what you need, but you. And it doesn't mean I don't rely on other people and I don't trust people, but ultimately you have to be willing to bet on yourself every single time the most. Mm -hmm. And so that was a turning point for me where I stopped waiting for everyone to anoint me and tell me I was finally good enough. Cause I truly was waiting for that, mm-hmm. um, to feel validated. I never felt validated, um, in my life. And I was always like, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I fit enough? Am I this enough? And do, do people finally want me? Cause I was not popular as a kid at all. So I think I was seeking that, like, when am I going to be wanted? When am I going to be popular? And so, um, that really made me have that, like, come to Jesus moment of like, are you going to be okay? Even if these things don't happen and how do you make yourself okay? And that's when I was like, well, how do we cut the middleman out? And so out of, out of your dreams, I just want you to think for a second, if you're relying on anyone or waiting for someone to anoint you or for someone to invite you on the stage or onto the podcast or, or to validate you or to be invited to that mastermind or that trip or whatever it is, like, it may never happen. Like, I actually want you to go there and say, if this never happened, how could I give myself these feelings that I'm craving without them? And that's exactly what I asked. How can I do what I want? How can I be that fitness inspiration? How can I have that community? Cause that's ultimately what I wanted. I just wanted the community and to lead it and to like feel connected and like a leader in that way. And so I started, I did that. Like that is really when that changed for me. And I think that added another layer of value when I went and can't believe it, but I went back and pitched again, like probably 10 months later. Yeah. So I pitched again, went out there. And when I went out there, I was like 
I don't even need this. This is just a bonus to my life. I'm going to have the best shoot day of my life. If this happens, amazing. Um, I can honestly say it was one of the most fun days ever because I just wasn't attached. Like to be in your dream without an attachment is a very different feeling because I, I promise you, I have been in dreams that feel like nightmares um, because you're so attached to the outcome of, okay, you get invited on stage, but you didn't have any fun. People felt it because you're so worried about messing up, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's like to be in that place is really where you want to be. So I say, I say, do what I'm telling you now, like actually picture taking it away and never being able to get it and then validating yourself so that when the dream does come, you can arrive at it and fully enjoy it and have it turn out the way even better than you can imagine, because you aren't coming from an energy of do or die. Um, if this doesn't turn out, you know, it's over and people won't like me, all of these different things. So I ended up getting the cover and then I got 11 covers after that. Wow. I just did not need them. I did not need them. And they felt good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to lie. They felt amazing. And I loved everything. But um, I wasn't coming from the place of who am I without this? In manifestation, we talk about having the vision, holding the vision, but also remaining somewhat detached from it. Like mm -hmm. it, exactly what you're talking about. And you reached that place. You were still showing up and doing the work and sending the pitches in, but it wasn't, as you said, do or die. Your nervous system isn't clenched and responding in that way. I, I just, I love that you're sharing the inside scoop on how these work, because when I was younger looking at these magazines, I imagined these models and these girls as being flown out and having endless clothes in their closet. And it's like they're waking up in the morning and having beautiful breakfasts laid out for them. So I'm always all about sort of <laughs> dispelling the yeah. myths behind media and, and having these real conversations. Can we talk about breakfast for a minute? Because yeah. I literally, you're eating, you're eating plain chicken. And because you don't have a microwave in your hotel room, because you're probably too poor at the time, I was taking like a, I would put a towel over my plastic chicken baggie and I would turn the iron on and try to heat it up. So that's, that was my breakfast. So. Oh my God. Did you ever end up with an eating disorder? Like so many girls do. I definitely had a control, like a, a control eating disorder for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I mean, I was constantly, I was a hundred million percent controlled by food. So yeah. For sure. And do you find that that's still alive within you or are you in a different season now and, and your relationship with food has changed? I'm in such a different place now. I mean, yeah. It's taken me a long time, but I've learned that it's satisfaction with life and also, okay, to be honest, it, it really broke for me about, I think it was like six years ago, I went on a European trip for 30 days and I had zero control over my food and I let go. I said, fuck it. Sorry. Edit that if you need to. <laughs> I literally totally had to fine. say it and meaning like I had to, I had to say, screw it. Like I had to let go because we were eating dinner at 11 PM at night. And like, if you order something and you ask for like, you know, I'm in Spain and I'm like, um, could I get this on the side? It was like, no, you can't. Like literally <laughs> I had waiters say no to me and yeah. like get disgusted. So I learned really, really quickly that I was just going to go with the flow. And yeah. for 30 days I went with the flow and I came back more fit, happier. I drank wine. I ate pasta. I did all of the things and I needed that 30 days to break me. Like, yeah. And so again, again, oh my God, I love how this happens. I had to go into an environment that actually would not even 
would not even like let it be okay. Like it, it wouldn't abide or lean into my rules whatsoever. It was mm-hmm. like, mm, we're actually not even going to let you do that. And I don't know if you've ever been on a European, European vacation. There's like not salads or no. like, like no really vegetables. <laughs> like there, there are, but they're like, Usually in oil, like it's just a very different. It's like a big chunk of bocconcini cheese with a little tomato and then olive oil everywhere on it, and you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess the food groups are different here, but you, <laughs> but you feel so healthy and so good. It's also yeah. fresh. And so that was the environment I needed to be in, which is just, it goes along with everything that I've said. Like it's just, you actually have to go get in a different environment. And even if that means that you are going to fill your fridge with totally different things, or you're going to eat out at a certain place every day that's healthy, but maybe doesn't offer your typical whatever. And you're going to just sit and enjoy your food and you're going to let it be okay for a month until you realize it's not going to have the effect that you think it's going to have. So when you look at these magazines and you think about what it took in order for you to be on that cover. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the trajectory of what's happened in media and how much things have changed. As we said, like, do, are these magazines even around anymore? We're also seeing magazines like Self that are in- including lots of different body types. So maybe even the body type that you were running away from for a long mm-hmm. time. What are your thoughts as somebody who was so in it and on the cover, like the cover girl of this, what are your thoughts on this transition that we've seen in health and wellness and around the inclusivity and the center, like we're, we're really almost centralizing and focusing on different body types at this point. Mm-hmm. It, it's interesting. I, I've never like had a, I guess I've never sat and been like, you know, I love this or I don't like that. It's very much like, I think it's important that we're showing ranges. Mm. Um, I wish I would have seen ranges growing up. So I guess I do. I love the fact that we're showing ranges. The one thing I don't love is I, I think we need to make sure that people are still healthy no matter what we're including. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have been overweight and not eating well. And when you are in a certain place, I think it's causing a lot of mental health problems. So I know that food is directly, for me, it's a really personal journey of, you know, and, and of course I went to one extreme and then from another extreme, but I just want to make sure that people feel good. So if it yes. means that you also feel good, amazing. But if you're in a place where yes, you've now, you maybe we can all be in a place where we are happy in our bodies, but if you don't feel good, that still could be related to the food that you're eating. Not, not maybe most likely. I think that's the first place we need to look is what is the food that we're eating? How is it emotionally making us feel? So I do love the fact because I think it's really important. I want my kids to see that. I want, I wish I could have seen it. Um, and maybe I would have had my goals be different, but at the same time for me on my particular journey, I wouldn't take it back either because I think being able to do that from the place that I was, I'd never accomplished a goal. I didn't have a good relationship with discipline. Um, and I'm going to say something that might, might rustle feathers. That's okay. I've never accomplished a goal or become a different version of myself without really pushing myself to a place that was extreme, even for a small period of time. Because extreme can just feel like extremely outside of where you're at. I don't Mm -hmm. mean to an unhealthy place. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that 
for me, doing a fitness competition was my edge. Yeah. So I think it's really important to have a goal that even if it's not that, maybe it's just a, a if you were talking physical, maybe it's just a photo shoot where you're like, I want to feel good and I want to be here because this would be my edge. I, I think we're getting soft in a place where we're not even looking for our edge. I think it's like, I think we went really far to a, if it doesn't feel good, don't do it. Okay. I've never done anything that's been good for me. Like for the most part that at first doesn't not feel good because it's outside of your normal routine, which if you're reading atomic habits, you'll totally see like, that's actually a really important part of creating a new habit is like, you're gonna, it's, it's, you need to figure out how to make the uncomfortable slightly comfortable, you know what I mean? Or, or doable in the beginning. I find now that I'm actually uncomfortable when I'm not close to the edge. Like yes. I get bored. I feel like I feel deflated. It is uncomfortable pushing myself out of my boundaries. Like I just went down to Arkansas to Bentonville, everyone who's listening to this knows, um, to lead a meditation down there. That was my edge. There were a lot of nerves around that. The, the individuals who were going to be there, it felt like a high pressure situation. And then a couple weeks later, I led a meditation in uh, the BVIs, similar kind of group the edge didn't feel as scary. Now the circle of comfort had expanded a little bit because I'd just done it. But there's something about that edge that starts to feel exciting. It starts to feel like opportunity. It starts to feel like growth. And so the more that you do it, the more comfortable you get being uncomfortable. And that's an exciting place to exist in. Mm, I love that. That is so true. I always think of that because I... I still get a lot of anxiety, but I try to reframe it. And Mm. I know that when I get that around things um, that I, I also am getting to number one, meet a new version of myself, which is always fun and exciting. And you're very like to, to be proud of yourself is very important. Like, I think that's a really important thing to make sure that you're doing. And I get to feel the most alive that you feel when you go to those edges. Like afterward, I know after you led that meditation, you were like this, this feeling that you get right afterward, like when you go enjoy like a beautiful meal after that, and you're just, you're like at total peace. The interesting thing was the first one that I went to was kind of like your cover shoot, your first cover Mm -hmm. shoot. I went and the one person that I really wanted everything to land with that I was just like, this is not by any means a ticket, but there were many layers. I get it. I already know what she immediately came up afterwards. She didn't love it. She didn't love it. She was, she was like, that was wonderful. And then had a slew of suggestions for me. And so I didn't have that high. I'm going to be totally honest. Like it felt a bit crushing. Yeah. And then I had another one I knew in two weeks and I had to gear up and get myself back into a place of being centered and grounded. And was I going to change everything that I did because this one person wasn't that into it? And so, I mean, it was so interesting, the difference of the two experiences. Like the second one, I had so much more fun. It felt completely different. I stayed true to what I was doing. The response was completely different. And you start to understand, you know, not everyone's going to connect. And what's most important is that you feel connected to what you're doing 
first and foremost. That is everything. I'm so glad that you said that. And yes, I've had that experience too. So I think I'm talking about like, once you get to that place of like, you kind of are being true to yourself because you've had these experiences. Um, But I love that you mentioned that because I changed myself so many times, especially on stage for other people, Not, not just fitness competitions, but talking about when I start speaking, like when you have to show up and actually authentically speak and be who you are on stage. It's very easy to be whoever you want on stage when you're doing a competition. In fact, it's kind of fun to be someone else. So not talking about that, but talking about like when you start doing things like a meditation, when you start doing public speaking, when you start doing sales pitches, when you start doing anything that will probably require your voice and your dream and your business, um, that's where I think a lot of people get thrown off and it doesn't feel good is because we get a lot of feedback. We get a ton of feedback from people. And so the thing with feedback that I've started to learn, especially when it's from these people that were like, Oh, this is make or break. This is like my mentor. This is like a guru, whatever (laughs) is like, Oh my God, you're devastated. And you think you should change everything. And then Mm -hmm. you change everything to fit what you think they want. They still would not like it because it just, I think that's like, now there, there's a couple things I do. I just say when given feedback, I say, okay, how much of this do I actually like, what do I actually think is true? Because when you get feedback, you kind of know, right? Like, okay, I did feel that point in the talk where I did that. I absolutely could get better on that, all of these things. But when there's something in your soul that you're like, no, that felt really good. And they're telling you different. No, Mm. do not change. You have Mm. to show up in these places, a hundred percent you. And in the beginning, you're always going to get that. And I think it's really for you to make that decision of, okay, here's the critics and I still have to show up fully me and I can love and accept myself on the other side of this, no matter what. Like, of course you already know that that person saying that to you was the biggest, one of the biggest gifts you'll ever get. You know that now. Absolutely. After your meditation, it probably felt like absolute crap. But like, it's the worst. It's literally the worst. You're just like freaking (laughs) devastated and you feel like such an idiot. (laughs) It was, it was that, it was exactly that. And I I was teaching back to back. So I had about five minutes before going into the next one that she was asking for all these changes from. And, um, and I knew that it had landed with like most people in the room, there were people in tears and people wanting Mm -hmm. pictures after and like a lot of connection. It just wasn't for her and it's not Mm going to be for everyone. And that's okay. You're not going to be for everyone. Your, your message or the way that you deliver it or your appearance or whatever it is, like, it's not meant to be for everyone. It's meant to be for the ones that will connect and need it. Okay. So I have a question for you around that, because I think this Mm. will be great for people to hear. Were you able to really talk about your style before that or the expectation or what you were going to do? Did you guys get to connect about exactly what the expectation was for your part? It was all done through a third party and it was all communicated and it just hadn't been read on the other end. So, okay. you know, the script was all there and everything, but people were busy and it hadn't it hadn't been looked at completely. There are many layers and it wasn't a make or break scenario, but it did, it really shone the light for me as well. Everyone knows that I love to get raw here, but this is like really going there. It really shed the light on uh, somebody who I was still putting on a pedestal. And I'm not talking about this specific person, but a type of person, a young, really wealthy individual who has fame behind her name. And that is somebody that 
makes me nervous, to be honest. Made me nervous, makes me or brings up, they're not doing anything. For me, brings up some insecurity and a need to please and do the best and da da da. And then to be face to face with this prototype <laughs> and Taffer be like, not enough. Nope, not enough. Don't want to connect with you any further. <laughs> do not proceed. Like that hurt. It, mm-hmm. it busted things open inside of me, but it was such a gift literally two weeks later to go and then be sitting at a table with the exact same prototype. Because as we talked about at the beginning of this interview, I'm wanting to learn and surround myself with women I admire and who are doing things that are uh, really inspiring to me. So there I am again with this same prototype. And this time there was connection. And it was just such a gift to me to learn that, first of all, why am I putting certain people on a pedestal Mm -hmm. and literally having them looking down on me? Essentially, this is the energy that I'm creating. Second of all, there's going to be some of those individuals who connect with me and some of them who don't, and that's okay. They don't define my worth or my value, or they don't define whether what I'm doing is right or wrong either. Mm. So good. So hard. Sorry you went through that and awesome. And you go. Exactly. Okay, but let's turn the interview back to you. And I want to be mindful of your time. I could literally talk to you for three hours here. So I want to know what does health and wellness look like for you right now in this season? Oh, oh, I love this question. Um, It's very, very different than it used to be. Um, Health and wellness to me is enjoying the way I move my body because so much of it is for mental health. Like I just... I am so aware now that my walks are for connections with my husband, connections to God, connections to self, connection to nature. And, you know, thinking about when I was back in my like late twenties going for walks, we used to, we, Chris and I have always walked like, since I can remember, um, we got a dog and just started walking like minimum three miles, usually three to six miles a day. Cause we just had crazy golden doodles who would like, you know, needed it in the morning and at night. Um, and by the way, I need it in the morning and at night. My brain is just like, wow. Um, so, but <laughs> comparatively on those walks, I remember when we lived in Minneapolis, I would walk around this lake and I would be so anxious and just be like, the walk would be about, you know, getting my steps in and burning calories. And I would be anxiety ridden going down my list every day or my list, like the whole walk. I wouldn't be present whatsoever. Drove my husband crazy. It wasn't until one time on a walk that he was like, I don't even want to walk with you anymore. Like you're, I would just be like crazy. I'd be like, I need to do this. And I don't know how to do this yet. And like psycho. And it's okay. I love that girl. Like she learned how to get shit done, but she was also crazy. Um, so, and I look at my walks now and it is like night and day, like night and day, all of the, the reasons why, and learning that that part of my life is so incredibly important for the parts. Also the other parts that I was worried about and wanted to be working. Um, so fitness to me has always been walking always, always, always wellness has always been walking still is it's one of the most important things that we do, Chris and I, um, and I go in seasons. Like right now I'm back into lifting. I was out of lifting for probably like a year. I hardly did it. I probably did it like once a week. Um, and maybe that's a lot to some people, but to me coming from like fitness, that was not a lot. And then, um, I also probably took three or four months off this last year of lifting and just walked. And that was also amazing. But as I'm getting 
older, which is just so weird to say. Like I used to listen to people say that on my podcast. <laughs> How and I was old like, are you? I'm, not. I'm 42. Okay. Um, So I'm learning just because now I'm learning a lot of the science behind how our bodies work. I'm like, okay, I've got a really great window to make sure that I like build a little bit more muscle to maintain that long term. Because now to me, like movement is just so important. I want to be moving. You know, I don't have kids yet. We're still going to have kids somehow. We're figuring it out. Um, Yes, you are. But I need to be able to move. Like I want to be, you know, skiing, snowboarding in my eighties. Like I really, really want to, I want to be wake surfing. Like I want to be that person. And so, um, lift, it means lifting two to three times a week, but I don't stress about it at all anymore. I just make sure I get to the gym two to three times a week. Um, I don't have to hit a requirement at the gym. I just am going to be there 45 to 60 minutes. And if that means three exercises during that time, great. If that means 15, great. It's really interesting when I'm in that place. It's like my body just also physically tends to look how I want it to look. And I'm being, Mm. I'm being real. It's not, it's not, not that about that anymore because I still, I still hold a standard of, I want to be a certain fitness level, but man, it's just so much easier now. And the food that I eat is to make me happy. And it's to, um, you know, I still enjoy wine throughout the week. I still enjoy, I, in fact, I enjoy a lot of carbs because I just under, I just understand now that that's not impacting my body. Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's not, I don't know how to explain that whole theory in this amount of time, but it's taken me a long time. Mm, yeah. It really is a journey. I think everybody on this show is on that path to understanding their body and finding that food freedom and that mental freedom and all of it. So thank you so much for sharing your story. And I know we didn't even get to all of it or even like halfway through it. There's still so much more to cover. But my final question for you in this episode, and I'm just going to put it out there that we'll have Lori back for part two at some point. Um, My final question is if you could send a message that was going to land in the inbox of every woman in the world's inbox and it was the last thing that you could say, mm. what would you tell them? Um, that everything in your life will fall into place if you put community and relationships first, like the important ones. And when you are living truly in your purpose and saying no to a lot more than you think you should be saying no to, um, you won't stress about all of the other stuff or body image or anything like that, because it will just be working for you. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing so openly and cracking the, cracking the lid open on some of the fitness industry and your experience in there. It sounds absolutely incredible. And also, yeah, like there are a lot of lessons along the way. So helpful. (laughs) So many. Well, I loved this time with you. I feel the exact same way and I'd absolutely love to come on again. Thank you. All right, everyone, take what resonates, leave the rest behind, and I will see you next Thursday. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Raw Beauty Talks community at Raw Beauty Talks. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? 
You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.